sounds like a voice crack first word welcome back welcome back everybody welcome to Micah podcast you're making her lose yeah, her no. focus Hi, everybody. Welcome to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar Season 2. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Legend of Korra. And my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of the Grimguard book series, and I had never watched Legend of Korra until now. If you've been following along with our podcast, then you know that we cover Legend of Korra two episodes at a time every podcast. And today is a very, very special day. It is a turning point <laughs> in Korra season two. We 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 saw it coming. We had some good episodes last time. And boy, it's the changing of the guard now. Because we have arrived at episodes seven and eight, which are beginnings, parts one and two. Mm-hmm. Very it is exciting. a very, very special day, Ms. Millwood. It is very... I was so happy. <laughs> the way you just said that, it is a glorious day. Like, it's not like a newscaster. It, it, it is. It is a glorious day. Because everyone, Studio Perot, God love them, and everyone who works there, but they are out. <laughs> and Studio Mir. The oh, goat's baby. back. <laughs> baby, we missed you. We missed you. <laughs> right. I've actually got Why some fun... Right. I've got some fun facts actually about the animation for this for these two episodes when we get to that. But uh, yes, we, we did miss you dearly, Studio Mirror. <laughs> Welcome back. It's another session of Tea Time with Amanda. Is this what I'm hearing? <laughs> Not really tea, just more like, you know, just some fun facts. It's nothing oh, too okay. major. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just regular old tea, regular, yes. regular old hot chocolate, no tea. Yes. Um, Okay, well, in that case, let me get into the episode stats. Obviously, I mentioned that both episodes are beautifully animated by Studio Mir. Um, mm -hmm. But let us run through them. Episode 7, Beginnings Part 1, is written by Michael Dante DiMartino. So mm -hmm. a, a bold return here in the middle of Season 2 by one of the show creators to mm -hmm. uh, lend his writing. Uh, it's directed by Colin Heck, who, as we've, as we've seen, has kind of been trading off direction yeah. um in uh in, in in season two uh this episode aired october 18th 2013 and the imdb rating of beginnings part one is 9.2 out of 10 uh episode eight beginnings part two is written by tim hedrick who we all know and love mm -hmm. it's directed by ian graham uh, the episode aired again October 18th, 2013, so the same day, and the IMDb rating of Beginnings Part 2 is 9.5 out of 10. These are some stellar ratings. <laughs> yeah, for this season, shoot. <laughs> Even just for Legend of Korra <laughs> in general, I think that these are definitely some of the higher ranked episodes. Because most of season one, if I remember correctly, was like high eights and like maybe a yeah. smattering of nines and above, but like yeah. th this is like really high for Legend of Korra. These are considered, I think I might have mentioned the last week uh, when we recorded that these are considered to be two of the best episodes of Korra overall, literally smack dab in the middle of the worst season. <laughs> it's so well, weird. <laughs> well, and, and, and without diving at all into the plot of the episodes, I mean, I think it, it just the fact that this departs entirely <laughs> right? from the entire plot of Legend of Korra and it's just like, hey guys, Let's just talk about the Avatar. Is right. like probably a giant like shot in the arm, breath of fresh air. Like <laughs> yeah. it's a fresh pot of coffee. It's a it's a it's a it's a recooked steak brought back the second time from the kitchen to everybody <laughs> in the Avatar fandom. So exactly. Bef before we get any deeper into that, though, take us away with what I understand is just a train ride of fun facts. <laughs> yes, there were so many I had to only pick four for the two episodes. So our first fun fact is, in order to emphasize that the episodes are set in a much earlier time period, a unique art style was used to alter the appearance and aesthetic of the setting. The design was inspired by ancient ink uh, wash paintings, Japanese woodblock prints, and Tibetan tapestry paintings, and was achieved by changing the color palette, reducing lighting effects, and increasing stylizing of the backgrounds and bending effects. So, I mean, I'm sure you noticed that, like, it's oh, yeah. completely, like, not the characters themselves. They're still in the in the typical, you know, Legend of Korra style. But the mm -hmm. backgrounds, the bending, all the effects are all done in this, like, very distinct stylized art that we haven't seen before on the show. 
which, you know, yeah. at first I was kind of, I was jarred by that. I was like, I found it very jarring. I was like, what? But as the episode went along, I was like, oh, I get it. I actually, and this was way back when it first came out, not now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, oh, I get what they're going for. It's like ancient, you know, Asiatic art, not this more modern look mm-hmm. that Legend of Korra, you know, we've come to love for Legend of Korra. And um, you know what it reminded me of actually a lot was uh, Gendy Tartakovsky's uh, Samurai Jack series. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that, how it's very like blocky and like it's, it's it's very fluid mm-hmm. animation, but it's still the designs of themselves are very blocky and you know right. geometric, and so yeah, that makes which a lot are of very sense. much like the Chinese ink wash paintings, exactly what you're pointing out. Um, so while there was, of course, it, it wasn't like really really bright and washed out to sort of like get it like it was woodblock prints, mm-hmm. um, like this does so effectively. You know, Samurai Jack's as general aesthetic again, it kind of reminded me of this in a very nostalgic way. Right, exactly. And I couldn't help but think because I was rewatching because I thought back to some of the few times that we've actually had stylized art in Avatar, not just in Legend Core, but also back in Avatar. And the thing mm-hmm. that immediately popped into my mind was, I don't know if you remember it, but the flashback um, in the Cave of Two Lovers when we see the origin of Omashu. And it's like mm-hmm. this beautiful brushstroke kind of like art style that you'd see in like a hibachi restaurant or something. Like it's beautiful and it's so distinct and different looking from the rest of the Avatar uh, animation. And I kind of wish that they went all the way with it because I love the animation this epi- in these two episodes. Mm-hmm. But I almost wish that the characters themselves matched you know what I mean? Like the the full Kinda, animation yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that would have looked so cool if they did like a more brushstroke painting look, kind of abstract almost. I think it would have mm-hmm. just been totally original and beautiful, but it's, I still really love what we got. And of course, Studio Mirror came back to do it. So, um, mm. but yeah, sorry, that was a long one, but <laughs> it's very interesting because that's kind of like- Worth it. Yeah, one of the highlights of the episode is just the animation. Um, Mm -hmm. And our second fun fact is that Beginnings Parts 1 and 2 were the first episodes of... Sorry, Beginnings Part 1 and 2 were the first episodes of Book 2, it's a lot of numbers, to go into production. (laughs) (laughs) Despite scheduling conflicts that prevented them from handling the first half of the season, Studio Mir was able to join the rest of the production crew for the extended creation process. So I had no idea that this was the first, or these two episodes were the first that were animated out of all of season two um and that they were the only ones done by studio mirror until they came back after you know studio pro left so that i thought that was pretty interesting and it shows yeah. because like they put so much like heart into this animation and so much you know just different styles as we were saying that like it, it i wonder if it burnt them out because it was so different from what they're used to um, uh, maybe maybe i don't know but um and then our third fun fact is that when Wan fights Vatu after permanently merging with Rava, Aang's theme from the original series can be heard in the background. Oh my god, we're going to talk about that whole scene, but that is like the absolute highlight of the entire two episodes, which is the yep. final fight between, you know, Vatu and Wan fused with Rava and the Avatar theme blaring. I'm just like, I'm losing my mind. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our fourth and final fun fact is that the order in which Ra- Blech, Juan and Rava receive the ability to bend additional elements establishes the order of the Avatar cycle, fire, air, water, and earth. You know, as, as I'm thinking about it, because I very rarely see them written out as I'm seeing it, because it, the order is fire, air, water, earth. So mm-hmm. Aang was naturally an airbender. Right. Learned waterbending from Korra, then learned earthbending from... Uh, off and then finally at the very end struggled but learned his fire bending mm-hmm. from the water tribe right learned her water first naturally literally a step over and then earth just finished her fire bending training at the start of episode one and mm-hmm. then he had to go learn air bending from tenzin right so they are learning them in the same order just like you're saying just offset by one that actually right. is really interesting <laughs> i actually didn't even put that together until now until i really? i'm a visual person i need to see it written out to like fit it, see it it's a great i'm just reading it right here in your note i connected the dots she, she, yeah she's done it she's done it folks how does we can't let her keep getting away with this <laughs> so funny yeah so um i think that that's very interesting that they kept to that even with the original avatar 
Um, mm-hmm. So that that's it for all the uh, for the, all the fun facts that I had. So for this episode, oh. because oh sorry, what were you gonna say? Well, don't you have more for the second one? Did you want to? Oh no, that was for both of them. <laughs> yeah, I only chose four because there were so many that I just kind of mixed and matched from each of the episodes. Oh, okay, okay. When you said you had four, here I was thinking maybe you had four for each one, and oh, I was no. like, just I was I was ready for like just a half an hour of fun facts. So. Oh no, <laughs> I'm sure I'll have more fun facts as we talk about the episodes, like just little nuggets that I happen to know. But yeah, no, I only had four because there were so many to pick from. <laughs> So, so the whole thing, the whole two-parter, because again, we are going to treat this as basically one big episode, because there's no point really breaking them up, hence the reason why I read the stats for both at the beginning, why we combine the fun facts, um, because it all tells one continuous story, and there's no point getting halfway through, and then stopping, and then picking up the rest. The whole thing is an amazing parentheses in season two, and it's almost kind of a reset, like mm-hmm. I'm sure that it all continues the story because it can, it, you know, and I'm gonna reach back to that in a second. But like, it's great the way that it stops and kind of reorients us. We get Studio Mir back for that look that we've been missing in since you know since season one ended, which, as you said, is carryover um, from the animators from the original Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. So we get back a visual the visual style and quality that we're that we're used to and that we've been missing um but then on top of it we get a sort of a reboot like a sort of refresher Mm -hmm. in the form of cora we're now finally not talking about bolin and mako and uh asami and the war and varic and all Mm -hmm. this stuff it's just cora but it's also not Korra, because Korra is just a gateway into yeah. us getting this gigantic history lesson about the very first Avatar. And it's an exceedingly interesting story, because it's not what I expected at all. Because, number one, I didn't expect him to be like ancient feudal Japan era Aladdin street rat right. running on the streets <laughs> with stolen food. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. And that... That was instantly, like, even back in the day when this episode first aired. Because, like I said, Avatar, or not Avatar, but Legend of Korra was, like, hanging by a thread for me. Because I was just not interested this se- in this season. Like, and I was like, oh my god, they need something to revamp my interest in this series. And then these two episodes just came out of nowhere. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Hello? And so... Like instantly when we meet Juan, you know, again, just like you, I was not, I didn't know what to expect, but what we got was not what I was expecting with him basically being Avatar's equivalent to Aladdin, you know, this yep. like grimy street urchin, like street rat and stealing from the rich and given to the poor Robin Hood style, you know, character. But I love that kind of character. Like, I love that character archetype. So like, you know, the thief with the heart of gold is the trope is called. Right. And so I was immediately endeared to him. Like, I loved him. And the fact that he's voiced, again, little nugget, but he's va- uh, voiced by Stephen Young, Young. I can never say his name right, from um, Walking Dead. Is he really? Yeah. You didn't see his name in the credits? <laughs> I skip the credits and go right to the episode. Oh, yeah. So I actually, <laughs> so I actually don't. I actually don't uh, pay attention to it. So... I, n- I now need to look this up. Yeah, Invincible um, Glenn from Walking Dead, like he's voiced. I also him. don't. I also don't watch The Walking Dead, so I wouldn't know him anyway. Oh, I don't either. I just happen to know that he's in that. And he's <laughs> like, <laughs> his like death is really sad. Sorry, spoilers. Anybody that hasn't watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was in Nope. Okay, I would recognize him from Nope, and I'd seen his picture. I do recognize him. Still wouldn't know his voice, but it is a cool bit of trivia there. That's awesome. Yeah, and is it, sorry, is it Yun or Young? It's Yun, uh, Y-U-E-N. Yeah, I love, I, you y- know, I can. <laughs> y- Y-E-U-N, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Steven. Uh, we're just going to call you Steven. <laughs> but yeah, no, I absolutely 
love this guy and his work and everything he does, but especially here, um, because this was kind of my first introduction to him. And I was so impressed by his voice work in these two episodes that I actually looked him up afterwards and like started to watch some of his other stuff. And he is such a talented actor. I really want him to be a part in some way of the live action Avatar Netflix series. Cause like they're bringing in a bunch of people that have already worked on Avatar and like, why not him? Why not bring in Juan? Um, he could literally just play him like in live action. He's still pretty young. Um, I was gonna say he could. Yeah, it would be amazing. You, you know who? You know who he'd almost be good at though if they made a live action uh, Legend of Korra. I know we're triggering so many fans right now. He could almost be Barrick. Oh, I would love that. Oh my god. <laughs> did you see him in Nope? I did not see. I haven't seen Nope yet. No. Oh, you should see it first of all it's an extremely good movie but number two he plays sort of like this showman like he mm -hmm. has this like carnival show where he like you know he's like talks big about like the attractions and he's right. like a scam artist but he has that theatricality about him that i is like pt barnum it, yeah like the only role that i've seen him in i'm like he would actually make a pretty good varic actually if he channeled oh that energy that's pretty I would good love that that'd be so cool <laughs> but anyway um back to juan himself yeah i really like <laughs> as we're like here simping for the actor <laughs> right receiving young um but uh yeah no i i really like juan i love his design i love just the voice work and the character that they brought to him um you know because you're immediately endeared to him but also you can see that he's got a bit of like a rebellious, you know, not dangerous per se, but just, you know, a fighter, a fighting spirit, no, which, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is important for an avatar to like, you know, fight for good and justice and the people that can't fight for them or defend themselves. Like, you know, I think that that's why he, you know, <laughs> I can see you, you coming can, <laughs> you can, you can say he has a little fire in him. <laughs> uh, funny. <laughs> but, uh, yeah so anyway i love Juan. <laughs> yeah i mean you know he has to air his frustrations every once uh, in a while stop please i i know i know i know i know but i mean his character progression seems like it's rocky at first but it's actually quite fluid oh my god stop <laughs> and i have harnessed the power of all four elements god, i'm gonna shoot you through the screen <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Yeah, uh, these are not pre-planned. He is just a pun master. <laughs> the great lion turtle gifted me with the power of puns. It's the only <laughs> element I can really control. Obviously, but since you're since you said lion turtles, um, let's talk a little bit about the lore because that's kind of a big yes. part of why these two episodes exist is to yeah. you know expand upon and in a way. Do some people retcon the history of Avatar? Like, and I'm curious as someone that is watched the, is watching Avatar and Legend Corps back to back. How do you view the whole like, oh, this new history of the Avatar and how bending came about? Like, just from your perspective, because I I have my own perspective on it. Everybody does, but like, how do well, you see it? Well, I'm first of all, first of all, to kind of take it in in totality i love the world building of this ancient avatar world and the pre-avatar world first of all it's interesting that the whole episode uh two-parter in all gives us a, a a time frame of when this is because if the convergence is every ten thousand years mm -hmm. and when Korra winds up at the very very end of part two hearing that the convergence is like just two weeks from now it's like oh well that's very convenient and right. so <laughs> it, we can only assume this is literally ten thousand years ago i right. presume if the cosmic timeline has not changed yes um so uh so that being the case you know you have the avatar the pre-avatar world ten thousand years ago where the, the humans and spirits just all inhabit the same world it's an interesting world where there's this um just this coexistence between the two and it's not a peaceful coexistence by any means mm -hmm. humans are relegated to living on cities on the backs like civilizations that are literally and figuratively built on the backs of these giant um lion turtles mm -hmm. now the lion turtles themselves 
it treads a kind of a it treads a kind of a, of a, a they they tow an interesting line because they aren't spirits but in the original avatar the weren't the lion turtles kind of like the spirit power equivalent of like the badger moles to the to the earthbenders the dragons to the firebenders aren't they like what are they called what, what category of animal creature do they actually go in well so for me i i never saw uh the lion turtles as spirits they are actual ancient right. animals just like right. the dragons just like you know badger right. moles and all that so but, what, um, but what are they what do you mean like, like <laughs> like the like the way that like the way the sky bison like mm -hmm. taught the airbenders like right. so, are they are they like spirit guardians are they like what what are they so this is where i think people especially legend of Korra haters they get it twisted okay <laughs> so right. so in avatar it is established very clearly for all to hear that certain animals or things are the teachers of the benders like they taught mm -hmm. humans how to bend their their elements so for you know earthbenders it's the badger moles and for the firebenders it's the dragons for airbenders the, the sky bison and then for um the waterbenders it's the moon in the ocean the moon in the ocean were the teachers of the original waterbenders now that's the thing they're the teachers they are not the ones that bestowed bending upon humans. That would be what the the lion turtles did. So the you know when it's the way that I see it, it's kind of like I don't know playing a sport. You know you can grasp even if you've never played a sport in your life, like say soccer, you can grasp that okay I need to kick the ball. Like that's easy enough to do. You you may not get a goal, but you can still kick it. Um, and you can still move the ball fine, but unless you had a teacher or a coach or whatever to teach you how to properly play the sport, you're not going to get very good at it. You know what I mean? So that's how I see it with bending like the spirit or not the spirit, the lion turtles bestowed bending upon humanity to protect them from the spirits. And sure, you can shoot fire out of your hands. Okay. But can mm. you actually, you know, I guess, hone your skill, hone your talent without having a proper teacher, which Juan, you know, Juan, we see him, he's dance, he does the dance of the dragons with the, mm. uh, the dragons. <laughs> so he learns to properly bend. And he, you know, even the guards that see him doing this bending, they say that he moves fire in a way I've never seen before, because he's properly mastered it. Um, so that to me is the difference, you know, the lion turtles bestowed the bending and the animals taught the the benders how to properly use the bending um mm -hmm. and i think that that's where people are like no no because you add lion turtles and they give and take away bending like that completely breaks the lore and i'm like no it doesn't right. <laughs> like it it doesn't right <laughs> yeah i feel like i could see where i could see where the where there's a i could see where there's a blurry line mm -hmm. for for avatar fans as far as understanding exactly what you're saying because you're absolutely right it's interesting to kind of bring that full circle into the context of this episode we just watched um the the um lion turtles do by all means they do bestow the bending upon mm -hmm. the people but then everybody who they bestowed this power on except for one dies because they get in that battle with the spirits that the mm -hmm. the hostile spirits um in the middle of the second episode in part two um they get in that that battle with them where he takes on the the what original what will become the avatar spirit right and he holds them back for a short time but he's not able to keep it up because um you know rava is afraid it's going to kill him so right. she pulls him out of it they immediately fight and then vatu comes and goads him later that he's like all your friends are dead they've all been wiped out Right. And so he is now the only human remaining who has any of the lion turtle bestowed bending power the directly from the source. Right. So everyone else, because at the end they're like, oh, and we're not only is the spirit world sealed, but the lion turtles are now never going to bestow bending upon humans. And so it's interesting then people in Avatar 
didn't who were benders didn't get their bending the way Juan did. They, as you said, were taught it by and this is I think the only reason it's a blur, blurred line is the episode doesn't really like take the time to clarify, shouldn't have to, but for people who might need it spelled out, it doesn't take the time to be like, oh, we're never going to teach bending to people, but we are going to teach it to the dragons and the badger moles and other are other things that have it, but they'll probably never teach humans, right? Right? And then, of course, <laughs> years later, they do, and mm -hmm. that's where people learn it from. Right. My only thing, like, and I agree, I think that they could have made it even more, maybe not in the way you just, just, described but i feel like if you visually showed because we only see one um doing the dance of the dragons with the dragon and if the dragon was shooting fire it would have helped to illustrate it you know? <laughs> and you know maybe every time he visited a new lion turtle he would come across a badger mole or a sky bison and he would we could see him interacting with these animals that are synonymous with the bending and we can see that that's how he learned to master each of the elements. Right. And we only saw that with one. And honestly, it just looked like a cool visual of something that Avatar fans can be like, oh, it's the Dance of the Dragon. Like, you right. know, but so I feel like that is where it could have been really spelled out visually is just seeing each of the mm -hmm. animals and him learning the bending from them um, as he and Rava are training and going across to each of these lion turtles. But um but yeah, so no, I, I do not agree. And I there are certain things that I certainly will give credit where credit is due when it comes to people nitpicking about Legend of Korra. But mm -hmm. that in the Lion Turtles is not one of them. <laughs> like, yeah. it doesn't break the lore. It doesn't retcon anything. Sure, it's like, it. I certainly do feel that it's probably something that like, they thought of afterwards after the finale of avatar when people were really confused <laughs> about like okay because i was about to talk about that yeah so okay, go for i'm because <laughs> you, you told me you told me at the time because i was like what's with this lion turtle this is the most <laughs> random thing we can't even like because i griped about the storytelling there where mm -hmm. i was like instead of using something along the way and that we've all that the audience is already familiar with right or like foreshadowing something along the way and then having it manifest and the audience like oh so that's what that's been this entire time right. they didn't they just out reach from behind their back and just whip out the lion turtle and then just start going to town just it, with something new and entirely different that will mm -hmm. just solve the whole fire lord problem and that's it but like I didn't like that very much for obvious right. reasons. Go back and watch the episode. I talk about it a lot. Oh yeah, I know. I don't like it either. Like even and, with and, the, the foresight of knowing like that it's all connected, I'm like, yeah. nah, that's still an ass pull. Let's be honest. <laughs> it really was. But the whole thing is though, is that you promised me that uh, Legend of Korra was going to go into it a lot more to like mm -hmm. explain and expand on the lore. And bravo, they really did. It was, it's so satisfying how they did it. Because it explained where, like you said, we all just assumed that these animals who had bending mm -hmm. taught humans that it meant that they were the creators of the bending or that they somehow bestowed it upon humanity. But no, it shows the role of these great, powerful, primordial beings, the lion turtles, and how they can bestow it with just a touch. And all of a sudden now we're like, oh, okay. We see them bestowing bending upon people, just handing them this magical power. And now the ability to just go to Aang and be like, bing, you can spirit bend now is like, it makes perfect sense. Right. It all fits. <laughs> it's consistent now exactly um but yeah no, and i think that that like i said was a response to people not understanding or just downright not liking the inclusion of the lion turtles in the finale of you know avatar the last airbender um but that being said it's and again it's not a retcon but like some people like to call it that um out of you know all the retcons that we've had <laughs> in television it's like honestly i don't mind that one because it like I said, especially if you're watching them back to back, it is it's satisfying mm -hmm. to be like, oh, okay. So, you know, even if this was thought of afterwards, it does tie in nicely and it doesn't, you know, like I say, break the lore in any way. So, you know, sometimes when people try to do that, you know, change things or, you know, make retcons of things, 
previous, it it totally ruins it. But no, I do like this uh, inclusion. And I think that it's a really cool, just kind of dive into the history of the Avatar before the Avatar. <laughs> um, but uh, in the time before the Avatar, as the Lion Turtle says in the finale of <laughs> Avatar, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> take a shot every time I say Avatar. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's very fascinating. Now, the one thing in this episode that I'm kind of split on is mm -hmm. the whole idea of um, Rava and Vatu and just the Avatar spirit in general, um, because it's <laughs> on the one hand, I think visually it's cool. Like I actually don't mind the kite design. I know some people think it's funny, but like, mm -hmm. I actually think it's kind of cool. Like the, the designs of Rava and Vatu, the light and the dark spirit. Um, mm -hmm. And I like that they kind of, you know, are mirrors of each other in terms of their design, but obviously yin and yang. Um, mm -hmm. But also, if I'm not mistaken, like the idea of evil, like ultimate evil and ultimate good is not an Asiatic concept. Like, mm -hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that that is supposed to be a Western concept that people associate with things like yin and yang. Um, and that, no, that's not actually <laughs> like a thing. Um, I'm not, I'm a white girl, guys. Don't, don't listen to anything I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But just from what I've, un what I understand, like the way that they portray the whole yin and yang um, idea is actually very Western and not Asiatic or like, you know, Asian inspired. So, I don't know how I feel about that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? I feel like I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> oh, no, no. Like, um, there's a lot to unpack about it. I fully acknowledge the whole, like, yin and yang thing is definitely definitely westernized. I mean, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very crude adaptation of it into like a spirit form as far as uh that goes it doesn't exactly pay like as you say it doesn't exactly pay the most the most pure homage to mm -hmm. that concept in eastern culture um but on the other hand i do love myself i actually love the idea of the avatar spirit basically being um rava in her integration into one mm -hmm. because the whole time that he's mastering the elements i'm like okay but he's like one person who's who has the power to do these things but like at what point does he become immortal at what point is there this sort of like reincarnative power where, where does that come in mm -hmm. and as soon as she's like oh i need to like give you you know i pass through you in order to give you some of this and i notice that her power is waning i put it together immediately that i'm like oh right so her power her spirit is like waning and weakening and so the two of them have to get into this sort of like symbiosis mm -hmm. she needs to she is the immortal spirit of of order and light that is going to fuse with him and she is the embodiment she's the avatar spirit that allows him to keep reincarnating time after time again and immediately that light bulb went on i was like that is so cool that is awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> i really liked it i like the fact that it, she was this fading spirit and so she is able to live on and the avatar is now sort of her vehicle mm -hmm. uh for manifestation that she is the one who is carried on she is literally the avatar spirit right. and i just i don't know i just loved that yeah no it's a it's a really interesting idea and again not something that i think that they thought of at all when making avatar it was more just a solely like i can't imagine like although i'm sure that they're gonna do this in I, I keep talking about the live action Netflix avatar show. I want it to come out so bad. Um, <laughs> but I know that they're going to take concepts from Legend of Korra, possibly, you know, the lion turtles, Rava, and bring them into, you know, avatar mm -hmm. so that it feels more symbiotic or symbiotic, you know, like it's, yeah. it all just kind of comes together instead of feeling so separate. Um, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, no, I, I do love the idea and I love the just <laughs> the connection between Juan and Rava 
how it starts very antagonistic. You know, Rava ha- wants mm-hmm. nothing to do with him. She hates humans. And then as they go through this journey together, you know, she grows to appreciate him as a person and obviously literally bond with him forever um, throughout all of his lifetimes. And like, like I really like that, um, you know, that, that journey that they take together and how she grows to really care about him and him for her. Um, and there's so many people shipping those two. I remember back in the day, like there would be these amazing art, um, like depictions of like a human version of Rava. It looks kind of like Princess Yue, um, yeah. and Juan like together. And I'm like, honestly, I I see it. <laughs> like, You're like, I'm not against this. No, I, I wouldn't have mad. thought. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have asked for it. But I'm glad somebody did. <laughs> right. um, um, yeah, I mean, it's a really beautiful relationship. Like you said, this evolution. Um, and what I like so much about it is it really shows that Juan, as is stated and shown multiple different ways, he is a cut above the average human. He is a different sort of, how to say this, the way I want to explain it. How do I put it in my notes? Uh, that Juan is a different sort of soul mm-hmm. because he he inspires first of all he inspires the people of his city to rise up and despite the fact that ultimately they wind up in a wayward path he still inspires change whereas otherwise everybody would have stayed the exact same and just kept on doing the same things accepted the power structures as they evolved to be you know the rich uh, oppressing the poor and the poor powerless to do anything against them mm-hmm. um he also you know broke the he's a rule breaker he's a rule bender and a rule breaker <laughs> um and so he he winds up stealing the power um, of fire that is given to him and he uses it for himself instead of the divine will which is an interesting sort of like how do i say this it's sort of a adam and eve with the forbidden fruit it's mm-hmm. a sort of icarus with the with the fire uh, icarus with the wings yes. it's a little bit of uh the fire being stolen from the gods you yeah, know prometheus. <laughs> prometheus thank you um it's it's a it's a little bit of the of mythology from yeah. like a different thing is taken and mixed together where he has the divine power but instead it, but he's not he refuses to use it for divine purpose he's mm-hmm. going to take it and use it for himself and it is a tragedy that has both um, inspiration and bravery in it, but it also has hubris and uh, failure and all the things attached to it. You know, Icarus flew too close, too close to the sun and his wings got burnt off. Adam and Eve, you know, seized the power of the knowledge of good and evil, but they fell from grace and were, and, and were destined to die. He winds up banished. He winds up fending for himself. But see, he still made an impact, though, is my point. And then when he goes and he finds the spirit oasis, he proves to them that once again he's nothing like any human they've ever seen mm-hmm. and my real point in bringing this up is that it's interesting to me attributing the avatar spirit to an actual individual spirit makes the reincarnation of the avatar interesting because instead of it being this sort of ephemeral spiritual reincarnative thing that's happening it has a little bit more of like a this is the crudest way for me to say it, but the green the Green Lantern ring, when Green Lantern dies, it seeks out a worthy bearer. Uh-huh. It has a little bit of that idea connected. Rava right. isn't just running to the next person who so happens to be born because like, thank goodness we have a newborn baby when this person <laughs> dies. Guess I'll just jump into this person. There is a sort of intelligent selection to find somebody else who is a different sort of soul to be the next avatar not just the next person who's available not somebody who's destined for greatness because god knows fire lord uh ozai was destined for greatness Mm -hmm. powerful imagine if he was the avatar (laughs) no please (laughs) and so it's and so it's interesting that rava has to go and seek out somebody who has a pure spirit who is the kind of person that juan was even if, as we've talked about many times with the previous incarnations of the Avatar, and I think this is an amazing lesson, it doesn't look like the same kind of person. Mm-hmm. Aang and... Um... <laughs> Roku? 
Roku, thank you. Are two <laughs> very so different people. I, I was really struggling with the name because there's so many new names in this episode. <laughs> yeah, like two completely different people, both the Avatar, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like you couldn't, you couldn't get more different from Kiyoshi to Roku and then Roku to Aang and now Aang to Korra. Like they're all so different and yes. like but they all affect change and have their own way of, you know, protecting and serving the world. Um, and so, yeah, I do like that. It, and you're right. It does add a bit of, I guess, personalization, but that's a weird word yeah. to use, but like, no, yeah, it, it doesn't just feel like random. Like, like you say, it's not just a random person that just happens to be born right when the current avatar dies. It's like, no, Rava's making a conscious choice to pick someone that is worthy of holding her spirit and becoming the avatar. Um, so yes, I, I do think that that is a very unique and very interesting change from just this typical, what we thought was a typical reincarnation cycle, just random, you know, by chance. But um, yeah, so it, it's a very interesting uh, addition to the to the lore of Avatar, I think. And just fun fact, I, I cannot remember what the actress's name is. God, I'm so bad at this. But um, the actress for Rava actually is the voice of Sharon uh, Marsh, which is Stan Marsh's mom from South Park. So every time I heard her talk, I could just hear South Park. Uh, April Stewart. Yes, April Stewart. Yeah, I. it's so funny because she has a great voice, a very like commanding, beautiful voice. But at the back of my mind, I'm all I'm hearing is, is hearing her shout Randy's name, Randy Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, who who voiced Vati real quick? Can you look it up? Because I can't. Yeah. I can't remember who it is. Again, I'm so good um, at my job. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Adams. Okay. I actually have a little nitpick. Um, Jonathan Adams has a great voice. I don't think it fits with Vati personally. Like, really. Yeah, I don't know. Even when I was when it first came out when I was younger, I was listening to this and like I loved Rava's voice. I think it was perfect. And then I'm listening to this voice for Vatu and I'm like, this just doesn't sound right for some reason to me. I don't know if it's the effects that they put on the voice or like if it's just the voice itself and it just doesn't work for me. But like I I would have put a different voice personally. Like if I was the casting director, I would have chosen someone else. I'm not sure who, like I should have mm-hmm. thought about that before I even said that, but um, I don't know. I just, and to me that kind of in a way lessens the threat of Vatu for me in these two episodes and going forward. Um, mm-hmm. Just cause like, I can't take the voice seriously. Again, it's not that it's a bad voice. It would have been perfect for a different character maybe on the show, but for this like mm-hmm. all encompassing evil kite of darkness. <laughs> They like to call him the guy of darkness. No, they literally call him that later. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, I would have chosen, you know, a much bassier, much like, I don't know, just smoother, evil sounding. Like, I, when I think of like, what all do you com- want? Like, you want like a, you want like a cave of wonders voice? <laughs> no, as see, like that's, that's that's to me what it sounds like. It sounds very similar to Frank Wells' Cave of Wonder voice, which again works for yes. that. But I, when I think of like all encompassing evil, I think of like super like seductive, deep, smooth voice. You know what I mean? Like someone. Are, like- are we are we seeing everyone? Why Amanda always follows <laughs> falls for the villains? Yeah. Yes. Hey, when I think of pure, <laughs> when when I think of pure evil, I think of the smoothest, most seductive voice you've ever heard. Everyone, yeah, that smells pure evil for me. That's the thing about evil; it's seductive, it's alluring. That's why people do it. It's you know. So I'm like, I feel like if they had gotten, and maybe this is just my fangirl and coming out, but uh, you know, if they had gotten someone like, say, Benedict Cumberbatch. I think that would have been a really good match, especially if he did like a smog like voice where it's super bassy and deep, but like yeah. also very alluring. You're like, Ooh, this guy's evil, but I want to keep listening to him talk like that yes. kind of thing. You know, I don't know if that, maybe that's just me, but 
I yeah. Even now, I'm like, I mean, I mean, I mean you're just you're just mad that you, there there was no shipping opportunity with Vati. You're just like, <laughs> why 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 does why does Rama get a, a human form that gets to have love, but not Vati, the embodiment of darkness and He's chaos? Just a soft boy, <laughs> my ideal man. <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't know, but I I do like the design and I like the crazy laser beams that come out <laughs> the blah it's a really no, i love i actually love that yes thank you i think the exact same thing it reminded me of uh the fight against dormammu from yeah. uh <laughs> from doctor strange but it also reminded me of um sparky sparky boom man from <laughs> yes. avatar the last airbender yep it's very very similar although very different sound effects but both are excellent the sound effects just yes. in general in the world of avatar and legend of Korra are just top notch we don't talk about them enough but uh, no, no. um but yeah so we okay so i guess we should talk a little bit about the spirit world itself because that's kind of a big part of especially the first episode um and juan is you know he's left his lion turtle and he's now wandering the spirit wilds, which are not separate from, you know, the human world. Yeah. Like, like you said, the worlds are kind of merged at this point. Um, but the spirits are inhabiting the what the wilderness and it's very dangerous for humans, which is why they stay on their lion turtles, which is a very interesting idea. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's trying to survive. He comes across all these crazy spirits and he finds the spirit oasis, which funnily enough has the spirit water that we come to know from Avatar um mm -hmm. which has you know healing properties and he meets this i don't even know what the the spirit's name is i don't think that they ever give him a name but this like lemur spirit and i love mm -hmm. him <laughs> he's so funny yeah, he's great um and he's voiced by uh james Mar no sorry jason marsden who is i mean everybody should know who that is he's max goof he's kovu from lion king he's freaking thackeray binks from hocus pocus like my man is a legend and I love to yes. see him. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, I love that he voices this just like super like bitchy <laughs> lemur spirit. <laughs> um, it's like very high strung, very mean to Juan, but like they ultimately become friends and I love to see it. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and yeah, so he decides to, Juan decides to stay with the spirits for a little bit. And then he decides, actually, I'm going to go and travel the world and like learn, not learn, but uh, get the bending from the well, lion turtles. And, and he does it after what I think is just cool that he like trains in the spirit world, so mm -hmm. to speak, in the spirit wilds in right. their their world um, to get good at his firebending. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. I think it's just cool. It is this him off in some like spiritual journey, living in the wilderness, getting awesome at firebending. Which of course, firebending is the best. <laughs> the goat. We all know. <laughs> we know it's how much goat. you love it Fire Nation. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I mean, my my man Juan was a firebender from the beginning. With, yep. I mean, come on, they were that first. Is, I actually, and that's I didn't even really think about that, but I love that the first Avatar you know the first official avatar was by all by all means a firebender and i just think that that's mm -hmm. really cool um so mm -hmm. now we are just missing an earthbending avatar and that's going to be the next one i'm so excited they've already announced it um mm -hmm. but uh yeah so it it is really cool like i said i love the, there's a great shot with him doing um the dancing dragon with the dragon and he's you know practicing his firebending and it's a transition shot from him when he's younger and then he suddenly is older like you can tell he's got this crazy long hair he's got a different outfit he looks so cool um you can tell he's been training for a long time and you know like i said he encounters these hunters that are just shocked by how well he he handles the fire um and that's when i think he decides that yeah i i need to learn how to master the other elements and you know i need to visit the lion turtles to obtain the power and so he does and it's a very beautiful montage with beautiful music over and mm -hmm. again this is where i feel like we should have seen the other animals but that's it's fine <laughs> it's, it's fine, fine. It's, it's, it's all fine <laughs> we're all fine here um and 
yeah. And then he comes across, you know, on his journey. Oh, well, I should say he finds a cat deer, which is his spirit animal. Because as we all know, yes. each avatar has their own spirit animal. For Roku, it was Fang, his dragon. Um, for, uh, I was going to say for Appa. For Aang, it was Appa. For Appa, it was Aang. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, he chose him. And uh, and then for Korra, it's Naga. And for Juan, it's his cat deer, Mula. And so him and Mula are traveling and they come across um, in this valley, the great spirits, which are Rava and Vatu, as we were discussing mm -hmm. before. And, you know, Vatu's playing the victim being, oh, she's tormenting me. Let me go. Like, free me from her. And, and plus on top of it, all the other spirits give like no context. There's like the two great spirits are fighting. They're going to destroy the entire <laughs> valley and they just run away. And like, right. you know. <laughs> Very solid uh, dialogue there. <laughs> Um, right. But uh, yeah, so Juan, thinking he's doing the right thing, um, he separates the two of them. But in reality, that is the worst possible thing that he could have done because now the two are separated and darkness can grow without light restraining it. And right. so Vati like fucks off and makes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> spirits angry. Everything worse. Yes, of course. <laughs> And uh, that's when we kind of get the bonding between uh, Vatu, or not Vatu, uh, Rava and Juan. Um, and it was actually... really, really unexpected was when he comes across the lion turtles. They have they have the air nomads mm -hmm. on it. Yep. Yeah. Which is of and course they don't the first have... time when the first time when Vatu shows up with corrupt spirits. Yeah. Yeah, and these airbenders don't have the typical airbending tattoos that we've come to know. The arrows on their head right. are completely different design, which would make sense because designs change over years, especially 10,000 years. So I kind of like that. Yeah, slightly. Things, some things change. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the 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 spirits attack the air nobads who are obviously being the most spiritual of all the bender or all the bending types. They're friends with the spirits as opposed to the people right. that are afraid of them. Um, which I think is, like I said, a good bit of continuity um, with the airbenders being so spiritual and the spirits mm. start to attack. And that is when, you know, Rava's at her weakest point um, because Vatu's just gotten so strong because of all the negative the negative vibes <laughs> the, so, the vibes were rancid literally <laughs> he thrives off the drama um mm -hmm. this is when we find out about a thing called harmonic convergence which you go ahead tell me your thoughts on that because i know you oh have yeah I do, I do. So I've mentioned a couple times how Korra season two just keeps reaching behind its back, going like, "Huh, Disney and the MCU are up to some cool stuff. Let's kind of, you know, let's hold up a mirror and like look behind us to see what they're doing." Okay, we've got like <laughs> two brothers, like a really strong, powerful one, and then like his like deceitful, magical brother, and they're like out of Norse mythology. Yeah, okay, we can do this. We'll just make the Water Tribe. We can do a Thor and Loki thing. Thing. well right. somebody must really love the thor series because the convergence also is in thor the dark world where the realms all match up all the realms of of uh um the the norse world tree all line up and they allow access across all of them and mm -hmm. exactly the same way here we are with the convergence where the spirit realm opens and access is free yep. between the two and which it like I get what they were doing because obviously in modern quote unquote modern timeline for Legend of Korra, like the spirit world and the human world, the physical world have been separated for 10,000 years. But in Wan's time, because spirits kind of freely roam both worlds, it's like, why is this such a big deal? <laughs> and like, right. I know why, but like it, because the harmonic convergence, um, it basically, it's the height of the spiritual, like power in the universe. So it happens every 10,000 years. It's when the spirits are at their most powerful. And that is when Vatu, who has been trapped in a tree, the tree of time, um, which is in the spirit world, he's able to break free. Like that's that's why it's happening. Um, and so, yeah. And so <laughs> I'm just trying to think of where we are. Okay, so Juan and Rava travel to the spirit world. I can't remember yes. which pole they're at, but yes, they go through one of the spirit portals at the North or South pole and they travel into the spirit world and Vatu shows up 
and he is like and my okay. man's looking fresh she's looking juiced <laughs> like yeah he is ready to fight he woke up and chose violence every day <laughs> um and so hey he just shows up and Juan's just like hey you look a little different you've been juicing i don't want to use the word puffy but like <laughs> <laughs> right um and so yeah Juan Juan is like you know if you want to get to her you gotta go through me and he at this point has gotten all the four elements and so but the only way that he can use them is if rava passes through him and basically like switches them out he doesn't have all four of them yet like in one mm. and so you know rava's at her weakest point at this point in the story and so her and Juan are holding off Vatu as best as they can. It's like beautifully animated and just gorgeous colors and just fluid animation. The fight is absolutely fantastic. Yes. But Juan is like eating, eating dirt. Like he is, he is like mm -hmm. not, not winning at all. And so him and Rava decide to fuse permanently so that he's able to control all the four elements at the same time, which could possibly kill him. But of course it doesn't. Um, and when, when they fuse, and like I said, the, the avatar theme starts, starts blasting. I'm just like, oh my God. Oh, it's and beautiful. Eyes, yes. And the glowing eyes that were so used to the avatar state and just like, oh, I'm home. Like this is avatar baby. <laughs> like, yeah, it's me, so I, good. I know that I probably said this way back in the day. Um, but the avatar theme, you know, the one that plays during all the avatar state scenes mm -hmm. is one of my favorite themes ever put to anything like it's up there with you know harry potter lord of the rings like as one of the best yeah. themes ever written and in my opinion yeah. so anytime it plays i don't care the context it is just like instant full body goosebumps just like i get so hyped if they don't have that same music in the live action i keep talking about it I am going to riot. Like I love the music in the live action movie um, by James Newton Howard, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, but all of it was original music. They better freaking have the original score from Avatar just up to the ante because they're going to have like a full orchestra and everything. Like I need all the music. I need the Avatar's love. I need the Avatar theme. I need Iroh and Zuko's themes, like everything. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm mean, like really heated about this, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, we want it to be good. I mean, the more Avatar, I mean, just watching Avatar, but also Legend of Korra, like the more and more and more hyped I feel about the Netflix series because I also want it to be really good. And like you said, even things about the lore from Legend of Korra and how they have an opportunity to retro merge. retro <laughs> reactively merge it and so that it's a little bit more seamless and take mm -hmm. stuff that had legend of Korra been planned out or had they planned the lore that was in legend of Korra when avatar was being made they could have included it but they mm -hmm. didn't because it was all kind of done you know backwards <laughs> yeah backwards um you know hey we talked about avatar being inspired by star wars and vice versa so i mean hey mm -hmm. star wars wasn't in order <laughs> far from it exactly <laughs> and so so avatar is also made four five six one two three seven eight nine <laughs> oh sorry just seven eight uh yeah but yeah so i mean you know it is what it is but yeah i also when is that coming out when is the live action series supposed to actually be, happen we don't have a date yet um I've heard rumblings because I've been following it very closely. Uh, I've heard rumblings that it may be at the end of this year. Um, the earliest is probably like fall, like maybe at the beginning of the school year, but the, er the I'd latest be, would probably. I'd be very surprised. You would think there'd be a lot more hype or a trailer by now if they, if they were going to do that. Well, not really, because when you think about it, like when it comes to streaming shows, because that is what it is, the streaming Netflix show. Um, they usually release trailers and promo stuff like a month or two before the series. Cause that's what they did with stranger things, which is obviously like one of their biggest, if not the biggest show right now on Netflix. Um, but they, 
yeah, there's not really a lot of like, it's not like a movie where they release like six to eight months in advance, you know, trailers yeah. and then teasers and everything. Like it's very, maybe like, I just, <laughs> maybe I just love stranger things so much that when they release the trailer a month in advance, it felt like it was like three to six months <laughs> right. until the show actually happened because like every day felt like a hundred years. Right. Exactly. So I, I have a feeling that based on what I've been reading, that the the reason it's taking so long, because it's been in production since 2020, like active production. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it's taking so long is not because the production itself, it's the post-production, it's the VFX. And that actually is so, like, I am so hyped. I cannot tell you guys enough. Like, the fact that they're taking so long to get these VFX just right... Yep. And they're not, they're not like worried about releasing until they are ready. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Netflix wants yeah. this to be a gigantic hit and whether it is or not, we'll obviously we'll see, but you know, they are putting their all into the effects, into the casting. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that I'm most scared about is the, the script, which is always like, you know, that's ground zero. If you mess that up, then oh boy. <laughs> like, yeah. but you know, so there's so much good behind this series that I would be heartbroken if it doesn't end up actually being good. But right. I am very hyped for it. And we are absolutely going to do like a mini episode when the first oh, trailer yeah. releases. <laughs> like we're going to go yep. shot by shot, baby. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm so excited. But and that will probably be sometime during the summer. But um, yeah. So anyway, completely unrelated, but... <laughs> Well, not completely, but yeah, not yeah, no. not related to Legend of Korra. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the fight between Wan and Vatu, incredible. Like, especially when he goes yeah. into the Avatar state for the first time and the theme kicks up. Um, yes. And yeah, so using the Avatar state, Wan traps Vatu in the Tree of Time, which is this, mm-hmm. you know, really big, cool tree in the middle of the spirit world. And right. uh, And then he does the big thing and he closes off the spirit world from the rest of humanity so we gotta let him gotta let him cook yeah hold on let him cook (laughs) and uh (laughs) yeah so that's kind of i think that that's the thing that was probably gonna be remembered for for you know for years to come uh or i guess avatars to come is that he was the avatar that split the human world the physical world from the spirit world and honestly i'm not sure that that was a bad decision that might be a hot take but i'm like bro spirits and humans are different like yeah like they, they kind of don't get along yeah like can you i mean because the whole point is that there's so much conflict now i mean in a way he saved one of them from the other because the mm-hmm. whole conflict of them i mean the spirits just wiped out the people right. and i really think that especially in light of this i don't think people would have ever gotten off the lion turtles ever again i think the spirits would have been more violent than ever and right. more protective than ever and i don't think they would have allowed human civilization to cultivate the wild lands i think they would have just been stuck on their lion turtles yeah and I mean, man, that would be a great what if. What if Juan never closed the portals? Like, how would that have changed yeah. things? Um, but as it was at in his time, I think that he did the right thing. Some people would be like, no, you know, they were meant to be together. Um, but no, <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah, no, um, no, it was fine. But yeah, so, and then, I mean, that's, and then we see his death, which is very well done. And I don't know if you noticed, this is another one of those fun fact nuggets, but the field in which he dies is the same field that Zuko walks through in Zuko alone, like the the Earth battlefield. Yeah, if you look, it's the same. They've got the same giant, you know, Earth wow. symbol boulders and everything. And I'm like, I immediately recognize. I'm like, oh, it's the field from Zuko alone. That's crazy. <laughs> but I also uh, love the transition of like, we'll bring peace, and the next thing you see this giant battlefield, and I there, I said out loud. Yeah, how's that going for you? Well, that's kind of the whole humanity sucks, man. You can't save everybody. But uh, yeah, so and so Juan dies on the battlefield and Rava's spirit immediately 
transcends into a new body and mm-hmm. we hear a baby cry yeah. just like in um in the avatar and the fire lord episode when roku dies because of the volcano mm-hmm. and immediately we hear ang cry and we see him being born and mm-hmm. you're like oh, and it's like a big thing i love that just a little yeah. continuity <laughs> but well, then, um, and then on top of it, to cap everything off you know we get the reveal that we referenced earlier that the convergence is going to pop in mm-hmm. another two weeks which you know explains why the bad guy here is opening a portal to the spirit realm obviously it's to break out the lord of all chaos so i mean okay cora way to like pull out literally a fight against the devil himself in season two like how you gonna top this good job like you're really really trying to make the stakes higher than you did in season one aren't you yeah we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) there's so much to talk about in the finale dear lord um uh these these finales these finales man i don't know i don't know uh you'll be begging to go back to season one's finale after season two's finale (laughs) you're gonna be like damn can we go back to the good old days of season one's finale (laughs) which we didn't even you know as good as it was like we still had our major gripes with it but man it's nothing yeah. compared to season two finale <laughs> oh gosh i can already see it gearing up for it believe me i can already i can already see it gearing up so <laughs> yep. yeah 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 but you know um it actually won't be that long before we get there again this is already episode eight just uh not next episode of our podcast but the episode after We'll be there. We'll be reviewing the finale. Um, the seasons again are much shorter in Korra. They're only 12 episodes instead of 20, um, like there was in Avatar. So we will be there before you know it. Yeah. So how would you rank these two episodes? Um, I love them. I think they're so good. Like you said, the art form that they adapted for this is so good. The voice acting is amazing. The story they tell is incredible. It expands on the lore. It's something fresh and exciting to just like, you know, breathe new life into season two of Legend of Korra, which is all over the place. Um, (laughs) But it is very, very good. And I do think that overall, I would probably give these episodes just on the rewatchability alone to be honest with you they're fun they're bright they're adventurous they're exciting there's all kinds of strange creatures and awesome fights and just like one is just a fun character to follow um i'm gonna give this whole thing um i'm gonna give it a 9.4 out of 10 wow this is i think this is the highest that you've done so far like even higher than the Mm -hmm. previous two episodes that you really liked (laughs) um yeah no i like this that's good um i'm actually gonna do hot take (laughs) of course because it's always hot takes with me um i i would i would rank these two separately um i think that beginnings part one i would give it an 8.5 i think it's still really good but it's not as good as part two which i would get a nine out of five or nine out of ten nine out of five nine out of five Uh, yes (laughs) yes nine out of ten um because i think that the final battle between Juan and Vatu is just so good and it it really brings me back to like Avatar not just Legend of Korra but Avatar which is you know obviously I love Avatar more than Legend of Korra personally even though I love both of them so feeling getting that feeling back of like wow this is like authentic battle like you know bending battles and spirits and just like having the Avatar theme and everything it just really brought me back to that um so I really love part two but yeah so overall Part one, 8.5. Part two, 9 out of 10. Awesome. Yeah, no, great, great stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it kind of paves the way, as I said, where I think I can already see the finale of season <laughs> two coming. Like, if the writing's already on the wall, what it's going to be. I can't even possibly envision how it's going to happen. But, you know, like I said, uh, we'll be there before we know it. So hang on tight, oh, yeah. everybody. <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yes. That's all for today. To all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so feel free to leave a review or comment, follow the podcast, give us a good rating, and all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.